Welcome to Reboot for Connection, the podcast dedicated to understanding connection at work. This is where we talk to leaders, communications professionals, and other subject matter experts about how organizations are now intentional about designing for connection in the workplace. Real connection to people, mission, and the work itself. We explore what can be achieved when this is approached as a strategic initiative. My name is Jürgen Abo, and this podcast is brought to you by ScreenCloud. Now, let's get into the good stuff. All right, today we are joined by someone truly special in the comms world. She is the director of Comps Rebel, co-founder of A Leader Like Me, and board director at the Chartered Institute of Public Relations, also a fellow Manchester United fan, so this is a good day. Um, welcome, Advita Patel. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here today. Ah, yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, rather than going into a long, how did you get here story, uh, I'd love to just hear a little bit about comms rebel and a leader like me. Those are important, um, important parts of who you are and what you represent. Can you give us just a little bit of context there? Yeah, of course. So comms rebel is a consultancy I set up in January of this year, so 2020, and it's an internal communications and employee experience uh, consultancy. Uh, A leader like me is a program aimed at women of color who want to progress and flourish in their career. And that was actually around the same time. So I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment here in terms of taking on a lot in, in, in a year of the pandemic. But it's all, all really good stuff, and, uh, and I'm enjoying it a lot more. Uh, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and I, I do look forward to hearing more about all that, especially a leader like me. Um, one, one thing that has been on my mind as I've been gearing up for this conversation is the connection between comms and leadership inside organizations. We're obviously talking to a real communications pro today. But from your standpoint, and especially in today's world, what's leadership's role in creating connections at work? Very good question. And it is a topic of conversation that many of us have had in the internal communication space. In particular, ask any internal communicator about what the role of a leader is, and they will give you lots and lots of chapters about it. But for me, and in particular, the time that we're in right now, a leader's role is about bringing and and developing and allowing people to belong and to be able to bring their whole self into the place that they're working. And I know it's a bit of a challenge because when as leaders, you have got other responsibilities like delivering your work and making sure that you're you're hitting your objectives and everything. But in current times, the, the whole... Our aspect of not being able to bring your whole self, that's been a topic of conversation this year, as you know, around everything that's happened with Black Lives Matter and the, and the diversity and inclusion agenda, plus the global pandemic, COVID-19, has made a lot of people question their, their beliefs about what is important to them and what isn't important to them. And having a leader who kind of understands that, I can bring that knowledge to the workforce and make sure that they feel like they are being heard uh, and their voice is important and they feel part of the conversation can have an incredible impact in an organization in terms of delivering against the core objectives and performance. And I think a lot of leaders underestimate how that personal connection 
with their work with their work and their work team sorry can actually have that impact so that's why i think a leader's you know a leader's responsibility is definitely to try and make sure that every member of their team feels like they can belong and can bring their whole self into work so with that being said right belonging worth bringing your whole self to work um that doesn't sound easy and it probably isn't easier to accomplish in a hybrid workplace. What do you see changing around this and, and how tough is it really to actually execute on this? It's hard. It's, it's really hard, you know, and that's why a lot of people struggle with it. And it is a difficult thing to execute because, sorry, because, you know, bringing that, allowing people to bring their whole self, means as a leader you need to open yourself up to a little bit of vulnerability um, and maybe a bit of shame and one of my you know I like to call her my best friend <laughs> she may not agree but Dr Brené Brown is somebody who I really value in this space of shame and vulnerability and I think she is a, a woman who is just incredible at explaining an emotive area that a lot of people don't want to talk about in a workplace. You know, nobody wants to talk about shame. Nobody wants to talk about vulnerability. As a leader, you're kind of trained to come across as this hierarchical individual who should know every step of the way what they're doing. And in, in you know, 20 years ago, maybe that was a case. Like, you know, you, know, shout, you know, follow the leader, shadow the leader, command and tell. Those days have gone, you know, and, and even more so in 2020 with people now having a very blended work situation. So some people are working from their homes, some people are working remotely from various satellite offices. There are people working on the operational floor. You know, not you don't have the attention as you would have commanded in a traditional role. And I think for a lot of leaders, having been able to say to individuals like, you know, I'm not comfortable with this either. So let's have a conversation and let's have a chat about how we can make this work better for all of us. You know, what are the problem areas? Where are we struggling? Where are the challenges that we're facing? And being aware of their own bias, right? And that's so important. And I know it's a term that's thrown around quite a lot, especially recently. You know, check in with your bias, make sure you're unconsciously not being biased. And people, I can see some people when it doesn't impact them because they're not the minority or they're not, you know, they're a leader, so they don't need to, you know, technically be aware of that. Or they can choose, I should say, not to be aware of that. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow when your team's not performing and people question the performance because you are being slightly discriminatory towards some of the preferences in the team that you have. And it's harder now when people are working from home because when people are working from their homes, building that culture, you know, building the, the, the thing that organizations used to thrive on, like stories, rituals, organizational processes, the hierarchies, you know, the, the way people communicated over the water cooler, going for lunchtime walks, that connections that people build have slowly dispersed. Um, and now, you know, as well as I know, when you're having a team meeting, you, you get on your video call and you go straight into the conversation and, and the challenge that you need to face and then you switch off and then you kind of go on to your daily task until you next have to go on the next video call or the next phone call. You go straight into So those interactions that we used to take for granted have gone. And I think leaders need to be completely aware that, you know, it's, it's being tagged having a director ahead of or a leadership title 
is, is more than that. You need to demonstrate what it means to be a good leader. Yeah, there's so much in there around culture in this hybrid workplace. It's really tough. And what's also tough is how people are feeling. You know, the fact that you actually have folks feeling truly lonely now. It's not just simple symptoms that we talked about a few months ago. It's that people are having a hard time. Um, my wife is reading a book called Together by the former uh, Surgeon General of the United States that talks about even the fact that you could literally die from loneliness. Don't want to get too dark here. This is heavy stuff. But what what is your experience over these past several months with with loneliness in terms of conversations with, with employees at companies or leaders? What are you picking up? What's really going on? I mean, without going too dark, like you just said, it's really important that, you know, mental health and well-being has played a big part in the last nine months during this pandemic. There's been a lot of information to take on. There's been lots of confusion. There's been worry. There's been anxiety. Loneliness, I think people confuse sometimes about being lonely and feeling lonely. Uh, you can be surrounded by 100 people every single day of your life. You could live with a house share, you could have a loving partner, you could have children you know, with you every single day. But that feeling of not being able to talk openly about some of the challenges that you are facing and feeling alone. And I talk a lot about imposter syndrome. And it's an area that I am very, very passionate about because I do think imposter syndrome can play a bit of a part in this because you never want to admit to others that you are feeling like you're a fraud or that you don't know what you're talking about or you're lucky to have that position. And it's such a deep-rooted feeling that is so different from lack of confidence because with a lack of confidence, you can speak up openly and go, actually, I don't know how to do that Excel spreadsheet, so I'm going to go and learn how to do that. But imposter syndrome is something that tells you that you're not good enough to belong. And that can really, if you're not treated appropriately and you don't talk about it openly, it can really go into this whole inner kind of workings of feeling lonely and feeling like you're on your own. And because nobody really talks openly about some of the thoughts that are going through their mind very often, um, and the other thing I want to mention here is social media. I love social media. I think it's one of the best inventions ever. And I think it has a good place, you know, in the world right now because it's saved a lot of jobs. It's created a lot of jobs. It's helped people stay connected. However, a lot of people see others celebrating and talking about some great things that are going. And that can really enhance that loneliness as well. And I think in organizations, a lot of leaders, when they've got a lot of things going on in their world, can sometimes forget to check in on their staff and their work colleagues to make sure that they are feeling connections. And I know the theme of this podcast, it seems to be connections and it seems to be belonging, but it's so critical in, in making sure that people feel valued and feel like they can bring value to whatever they're doing and have that sense of purpose. Because as soon as that purpose is not there, they start creating a story in their mind about not feeling like they belong and feeling lonely and feeling like they can't add anything to the work, what's happening. And leaders are so busy and people around them are so busy, they don't see the signs coming out of there. So that's why I kind of do go on a bit about imposter syndrome and I do talk a lot about mental health and well-being and making sure that leaders play 
their part in making sure that these individuals are feeling that connection with whatever is happening in the organization. Yeah, thank you for that. It feels like we have come a long way when it comes to talking about men mental health, but it also feels like we have so far to go, right? Like we've made progress on this. We've made it more in society overall, more comfortable to talk about, but it, it feels like in the workplace, there's still not enough room to actually work through that. Like how, how does a leader approach that either proactively or even respond to, you know, seeing some of these, you know, symptoms pop up, right? Like what is, and what is truthfully too, what, what is the role of the, of the organization in those scenarios? What's the right thing to do? What's the bare minimum thing to do? Like how, how do you even approach this if this is something that's been foreign to you for, for years or maybe even decades? Just talk to each other, you know, have those difficult conversations. I talk about difficult conversations all the time. I talk about that with the women on our Leader Like Me program. Because some of these situations and challenges that you're facing can be resolved by having a conversation and having a two-way conversation. And, it, you know, it's, it's obviously it's easy for me to say as a communicator because I'm all about connections, I'm all about communication, I'm all about having those chats. But it's so easy to fall into the trap of just communicating one way you know, commanding and telling people what you need from them and not really asking, what do you need from me? How are you feeling today? How can I help you today? That piece of work I gave, gave you, does that mean anything to you? Are you okay with that? Are you, can you cope? And starting that conversation, or even as a leader to say, do you know what? I'm not feeling that great today, guys. You know, it's, it's tough out there. The news is terrible. You know, I've not seen my family for months on end. How are you guys feeling? How are you doing? Tell me. And it's such as, you know, it really frustrates me at times because I can see in some of the organizations that I work in and some of the clients that I have that it's such a simple fix by just opening yourself up, opening your heart, opening your mind to some of those conversations and allowing yourself to be a little bit more vulnerable and to kind of say to your team, like, come on, let's just have a chat. And, and I say that across the board with any challenge that you're facing in the organization, not only with mental health or well-being, but any problem that is not getting fixed or, you know, any innovation, you want innovation in your, in your colleagues, you know, leading by fear is not the way to go. You know, making it clear to your organization and to people that work there, that failing is okay but you know fail quick and learn quick you know that's a big thing and, and and giving them permission to do that but I do honestly believe that having an open and honest conversation with people can really help stabilize that relationship and give you an opportunity to thrive and flourish in the workspace. Communication is is hard as we just said right um, what about if we zoom out and we think about communications and internal communications especially what's the current state there how does the, the the world of internal comms look here at the end of 2020 do you know what i would say for the people that i've spoken to in the community that i'm in internal comms have had a lot a spotlight shone on them over the last nine months because i think leaders have actually recognized the impact um, that these teams have in the in the workforce with colleagues in terms of communications and suddenly a lot of comms folks have been on the speed dial 
with their chief executive and they've had that space with them. Now there's this whole debate about having this seat at the table and having this, you know, a seat at the board. And I, I don't actually think it's necessary. I think the most important thing for internal communicators to be aware of is influence and being able to influence your leaders in the right way and being that trusted advisor. Where I see internal comms going in terms of future-proofing themselves is to become a little bit more business savvy with how they are communicating with their leadership team. Um, I say this because you know there have been moments where some internal comms folks and the conversations I've had with them, they can be a little bit tunnel-visioned with what they're trying to do. So they focus a lot on the channels, they focus a lot on the written word, they don't really think about the impact it may have on the business, the outcomes, the measurable outcomes. Um, I don't think anyone should be creating any sort of campaign or messaging if it doesn't link to the business objectives and can demonstrate the value that campaign is actually having across the business. And leaders will take you more seriously in my world and in my view and in my experience, I should say, if you can talk their language. And you can, you can have that conversation and it works both ways you know it works both ways and i think leaders need to accept the fact that sometimes not everybody is going to have the insight that they do not everybody's got the privy of being in certain conversations that they've been in and they need to be accepting of that and accept the fact that they may not know the intricate details but we need to help ourselves whether you work in internal comms whether you work in finance whether you work in hr whether you work in it you know those are your disciplines that you're the expert and specialist in but you need to stretch yourself a little bit more and understand the macro level of what's going on in that organization and what's going on in the industry so you can become that trusted voice and the trusted advisor to your leadership team amen um i think that is part of the part of the challenge for internal comps as a discipline is when there are situations where the partnership between leadership and internal comps isn't strong enough perhaps based on what you just shared around not being able to quite have those strategic conversations. I'd say that, especially in this day and age though, it is also on leadership to recognize what you can get out of professionals in that world, right? And actually meet folks halfway and, and bring them along for the ride a little bit. Um, so I think, like you said, it's, it's about both sides there, right? Are there some specific things that you can think of that leaders really ought to keep in mind when it comes to, you know, connecting further with their comms people to get more out of that partnership? Yes, inviting them to, to the conversations. So I have spoken to many communicators in my network where they have been told that they need to do this and they need to do this and they need to do this, but without any context without the why, without the context, without understanding the rationale behind it. If any leaders listening, you know, if you're not inviting that communications professional to the conversation that you're having from day dot, then I think you're putting them under a disadvantage and by expecting them to be caught up with what you need them to deliver. If you want a communications person to be part of the campaign and understand what you're trying to communicate and making sure that they are communicating the right things, then make sure you invite them in early enough. There's so many times, and I'm pretty certain any internal comms folks listening, the number of times that you've been brought in at the last minute to fix something, you know, something's broken, something's not quite right, technology is not working, and it's the fault of the tech, so you need to send something out there. You know, they don't think about actually 
we haven't project managed this in the right way or we haven't had the right conversation with the right people and yet we're blaming the tools rather than the techniques or rather than the conversations um, around the, the failure or some of the things that we're having and a lot of that is played I think you know we don't want to invite them to the table to have this conversation because it's sensitive or we don't want to invite them to the table because they won't get it or you know whatever their rationale is about not inviting that comms person to that table it's not fair in my view and I think if you want to have a strong good internal comms function and a good messaging and, and, a, collect, and, a, and a collaborative working environment then you need to bring these people into the conversation early on. Hey, I wanted to see if you could tell us a little bit more about a leader like me. You mentioned it and uh, gave us a little bit there, but um, what else should we know about it and how can people be supportive? So a leader like me was um, an idea that was initiated between myself and my co-founder Priya Bates. I actually asked Priya, so we talked about connections, didn't we, earlier on, and I actually asked Priya to be my mentor, um, to help me, because I was new in the world of consultancy. I'd worked in-house for 15 years. I didn't, you know, I wanted somebody who'd been there, got the t-shirt, and understood what was going to, you know, be ahead of me. Who would have known, by the way, that there was going to be a global pandemic? None of us could have predicted that, to be honest. But in January uh, of this year, I asked Priya to be my mentor. We had a conversation. And as with any mentors and any mentoring relationship, she asked me to talk about my experiences in the world of communications and some of the challenges that I had faced. And we got talking and I explained, you know, being a South Asian woman uh, working in a communications industry where I'm, I'm one of very few people of colour who works in PR and comms and also one of very few people of colour working in the industries that I worked in. Sometimes we talked about loneliness, sometimes it's lonely, sometimes you feel like you don't belong, sometimes you feel like you, you know, your imposter plays a big part and you're a fraud and you feel like you're, you know, people you're going to get found out one day and they explained all of this to Priya and funnily enough Priya who is, you know, 12, 15 years ahead of me has had exactly the same experience as what I had and when we got talking about the situation we realized that as an underrepresented community which is what both of us fit you know we're both women we're both women of color we're both you know priya uh, was born in india but then moved to canada at a young age i was born in the uk um but i've been told throughout my you know childhood that i didn't belong in this country i was told numerous times to go home you know just go home you don't belong here and when you're told that over and over again it plays, it plays a big part in who you become when you were an adult and you go into a career. And I know there's lots of other people out there who experience similar, whether you are, you know, whether you are in the LGBTQ plus um, group, if you want to call it that, or if you're a woman or if you've got a disability or because of your age or whatever. So we decided at that point we were going to create a community of women of color because that's who Priya and I resonated with initially and that's what we know right so we wanted to see if we could empower this this community of women to sit up and and put their head above the parapet and feel confident in who they are and not have to be a chameleon so they don't have to adjust their personality to fit in with whatever people think is normal or what the majority think is normal and imagine the impact it could have. Imagine having a leader that you could resonate with, somebody who's got the confidence to do that. And that's where it all kind of started from. And it was Priya's brainchild to think of the title leader like me, because we recognize that if there were leaders like ourselves in senior positions in organizations, 
then we would all, you know, straight away, we would feel like we would belong in that space and we could add value. But when you don't see people like yourself in senior positions or even in any like, you know, leadership position in an organization, you do sometimes feel like you're kind of, you know, you're a fraud and you don't belong there. So our program, which is a 12 week program, gives women, at the moment it's women of color, but we hope to expand this to all of the protected characteristics. And what I mean by that in the UK, we call them protected, protected sorry, characteristics. So things like sexuality, age, gender, uh, you know, those, those things where you're the underrepresented minority. We hope to expand it, but the 12 week program is a 30 minute workshop every week, which helps the women on the program understand a part of a skill that they may not be taught in their organization. So we talk about imposter syndrome, we talk about negotiating, we talk about um, goal setting and investing in your own development, those kind of things that would help boost your confidence. Thank you for sharing so openly, Adita. That was um, really, really inspiring. So um, with all that being said, and, and you have to kind of put a little bit of a bow on this idea of connection at work, um, what does it bring up at the core for you? What is connection at work really about, in your opinion? Connection at work, for me, it's about being able to be true to yourself. And it's being able to build relationships, to bring your best self to work, to bring your whole self to work, and to deliver against the business objectives and performance. That's what, you know, that's what, you know, you go to work to bring, to add value, to show your skill set, to show and demonstrate the great stuff you can do. And being able to do that, but being able to do that with other people and work collaborative with others and connect with others, is it's it's quite a nice thing, I think. And I think it, it shouldn't be, you know, nobody should ever feel like they hate doing what they're doing, right? Life is too short to wake up in the morning and dread going into the workplace. And I do think a part of that is down to the environment that you're working in. And if the environment that you're working in, if you can build those connections and you can build those relationships and you can have open conversations, then imagine the, the, the power and the empowerment you feel to succeed and thrive and the benefits of somebody who feels like they belong and can connect can bring to that organization and help that organization thrive. So we believe there are some main pillars that go into creating really connected companies. Leadership is an obvious one. Comms is an obvious one. And, you know, I would say sharing of critical data is another one as well. And being uh, oriented around measuring and seeing what's actually happening in the company. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship from a comm standpoint with the data side, with the metric side, with the measuring side? Yeah, totally. I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on this. It is a passion project of mine and topic of mine that I talk about all the time. And especially I talk to, the, I talk to internal communicators about this all the time because we need to demonstrate our value and the work that we are doing in the business and not being able to show the value and the impact we're having is, is not going to help our relationship with our leadership team and the worth that we bring into the business. So I always say to people, check every time you do your messaging, every time you set up a campaign, every time a leader asks you to deliver something, think about how does it link in with the business objectives? What is the behavior change you're expecting to see? 
in the business. What is the data telling you about the organization? Where are the pinch points? Where are the barriers? What are the pain points in the business? And have a look at the data. I know we're people of words, you know, we love words and we love language, but in order to prove our worth and to prove our value and to demonstrate to the organization that what we are doing is going to bring great return on investment or return on engagement, whichever one you kind of want to look at, this is why, and this is showing it. So track it at the beginning. You know, what, what is the data telling you at the beginning? Track it during and track it at the end and you should be able to see a correlation. But nobody should be communicating or sharing anything in the business if it doesn't align with the overall business objectives and if it doesn't tell you what behaviours you're expecting to see changing because of that message. Because it's a pointless activity and a waste of your time. Well, on that note, I think we are uh, okay to wrap up. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. We, uh, we love learning from you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. It's my sincere hope you found something you can apply towards greater connection in your work life. If so, an honest review would certainly be welcome. Reboot for Connection is brought to you by ScreenCloud. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'd be honored if you subscribe to this one. You may also email us at reboot at screencloud.com with any reactions or ideas you might have for us. Hope to catch you again next time.